you're about to enter seventh heaven. If you like this pod, then you can show your support by rating us five stars and hitting that little subscribe button to help us climb the pod rankings and spread the sevens gospel. If you're looking for extra content, you can go to our YouTube page or our social channels, Twitter and Instagram, our handle at seventh heaven pod. Again, like, subscribe, share, and we hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome back once again to your celestial one-stop pod for all things Rugby Sevens. New Year, same pod, same legends on the mic to guide you through the world of Sevens as we approach that grand finale in Madrid come May. It is me, Bernsey, and I've got Olympic silver medal winning captain and World Cup broadcaster, Tom Mitchell. Mitch, what are you saying? Well, Bernsey, we're a bit thrown off on this episode so far because you're not recording from your car, which screams professionalism that you've actually found a place indoors with good Wi-Fi. How about it? Yeah, a bit of a rough start to the <laughs> to the reboot of the pod. And I guess that's probably a good time to apologise to the listeners. I think that we owed you more than one at the end of the year, but various life demands and also me missing a few editing deadlines meant that we didn't bring you one in the wake of Cape Town and we didn't really bring you much of a Christmas special. But our New Year's resolution is to be back to our old dependable selves. So you can count on plenty of episodes all the way right up to that climax and beyond because it's an Olympic year and we got the Challenger series and we got all sorts going on. So don't worry. Got loads. Got- I'm not sure we were ever that dependable, Bernsey, but Sevens is about scrapping. It's about fighting. It's about the ups and the downs and it's about adapting. So here we are. Mate, Challenger series. Let's get on to that, as you mentioned there, because you've been all over that. Well, your voice has been all over that anyway. Epic tours for the teams. Mate, I'm so desperate to go to. <laughs> so, de- so desperate. Like, so I did the co- I did the commentary and the like the, the big head honchos there, and I couldn't have laid any more Uruguayan cable. Um, <laughs> I just like every opportunity. Oh, you know, I'd love to go to Uruguay. Have I mentioned that I spent two months in Chile? Oh yeah, I love South America. Oh, I can no, no, I can't speak Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, Challenger Series, and the the go is, and they've changed it a little bit. That the top four teams, after the three events, basically, and it's cumulative like the series, the top four are going to go to Madrid, 
and they are going to play in a mini pool against themselves. So they'll play a round robin, and then they'll be ranked one, two, three, four, and then they will play the bottom four sides from the HSBC sevens, who simultaneously will be playing a mini round robin in Madrid, and then it will just be a one match winner takes all challenger versus HSBC. So you could, you could get four brand new teams on the city. You could get eight, sorry, if you say so four men, four women. Like there's never ever been more jeopardy. I love it. I love it. And you know, you could, you could see some massive names leave HSBC sevens at the end of the year because the challenger teams are good, man. Oh my God. If I was one of those teams, like between Samoa and Spain, there is six points separating those sides. And there's six teams in that block at the bottom of the men's HSBC sevens at the moment. Like if I was watching the challenger, I would have been watching through my fingers. The, the, there are some like legit teams there. Teams going to be a bit squeaky bum time. For some of those teams already. I mean, we're only two tournaments in third to come this weekend, but well, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Well, who stood out then? I mean, obviously you had your chat, probably the favorite seeds, the top seeds in the men's winning Kenya Kenya men taking the title from Dubai to be expected? Yeah, I think so. I mean, Kenya don't have like the big names that you have been synonymous with Kenyan rugby for so long. So there's there's no Collins in Jira, obviously. There's no William Backer. There was no um, Alvin Otieno, the, the buffer. Uh, no Billy Odiambo. Um, Andrew Amonde. Andrew Amonde is the strength and conditioning coach now for Kenya. And I think you'll recall from when you and I ran into him on the dance floor in Dubai, that guy is good at the old strength and conditioning. Well, he knows his way around Holy the gym. Sh- Holy shit. He was, terri- he was terrifying, wasn't he? The poor players, though, they'll just be feeling so inadequate that the fact that their strength and conditioning coach outsizes and probably outmuscles all of them. But Oh, my God. It was terrifying. Uh, he, I mean, he was in Nick. He was in great Nick. We got a photo, actually. We got a good photo with Collins in Jira. We'll have to get that on the socials. But, um, yeah, so they did win it. And so they got pushed in a couple of games because you've got to remember that like Uruguay there, who obviously went incredibly well last year on the series. They you got Chile in there who got silver in the Pan American Games and they beat USA. They have been on the series before. Germany have kind of always been like looking in from the outside of the party, wishing they're at the punch bowl for so many years. And anyway, superstar, superstar being born. Patrick Adongo Okongo for Kenya on the flank. I think he's faster than Marcus Mineta. He is lightning. Like that, The sole reason I would like Kenya to get back onto the series, actually there's many because all their fans were there, full of life again, is to see uh, Patrick Adongo Okongo go toe-to-toe with Mineta. He is ridiculously fast. Just love a bit of out-and-out wheels. It's just the best thing about sevens is that there are intricacies for days. And yet, if you've got someone with a bit of toe, then it's destructive and it makes a difference. And that's what you need that. You need that bit of bit of X Factor, a bit of punch. And it's accessible, isn't it? Everyone understands a quick guy, quick girl. You can see it. It's in action. 
everyone gets behind it or chases it. Do you know, do, do, I remember asking you quite a few times that when you were playing that you've got the creme de la creme of world rugby out there. You've got the absolute best players in the world who are skilled in a multitude of areas of the game. However, give it to Nort and he scores. <laughs> it? Like it's like it's, it's yeah, it's basically it, was, it like brought me back to when I was, you know, a teacher coaching the under nines at school where you are telling your under nines, don't just give it to Henry. Or like, don't just give it to Zakir. Like you 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 can score other ways, but they always give it to Zakir and Zakir always scores. So and then they tune into the sevens and you guys are saying get it to Nort and he scores well this, this is a problem because we said that it's getting a bit rugby heavy on this pod and we're not talking enough about all the other stuff and then you're going to make me get into it here because yes sometimes on occasion you give it to a superstar and out of nothing they've created it but actually I will just give a shout out to the guys that play in the middle a bit more and do the the more finessed parts of the game that some, there are bits of detail in there that do create opportunities for the outside guys so just for the youngsters, before you just give it to the quick guy, give it to the big guy. How can you preserve the space, preserve their opportunities? Anyway, that's just my little technical point, Bernsey. You tickled me there and I had to I had to bite on it. You had to respond. You had to respond. So, yeah, Kenya, uh, top dogs going into it, but definitely scope for a lot of sides. The other teams in the quarters that got knocked out, pretty good as well. So uh, in the women's competition, China won. They play a pretty precise brand of rugby very fast get it edge to edge a few errors i actually really like the way they play really really like the way they play quite efficient quite just prescribed but very good at what they do sounds like a stereotype doesn't it a little bit but that is just the bottom line and but they did lose their first game to kenya women the lionesses who they then played in the final again and they beat them but i mean and that's a clash of stars, though, isn't it? Because Kenya women are more physical, a bit more one out, probably expression, bit of offloading. So it's quite a cool clash of stars there. Yeah, pretty much. It, like they're pr- it's probably the only one that challenged China because otherwise, I think I'm just having a look here at my article that I wrote for Rugby Pass because you and I both write for Rugby Pass now. I feel that's like quite a podcasty thing to do to plug your. It's not column, not column, but you know, there's a bit of pen to paper. One day, yeah, one day it might be a column. Yeah, so that, so after they lost to Kenya, they scored 189 points and they conceded just 27, so pretty dominant. But let's but just touching on some of the other teams, Argentina, Las Yagaretes. They are a really nice team. They scored some awesome tries. They've got a girl called Sofia Gonzalez who pulls the strings in the middle. They're like really aggressive. But was they're... it her who did that delicious little offload? Like there was a couple of steps, rode the tackle and then lift out of the back. Was that her? Anyway, I saw that clip and that was brilliant. She did the pirouette. Thailand. Mate, Thailand are great to watch. They're coached by Tom Biggs who is... Well, did you ever Bigsy. play with Tom Biggs? I didn't, but um, I know a lot of people who have played with him. Talking of talking of your coaches being rigged up, 
he lifts. Him and Andrew and Monday would have a little bit in common. That's for sure. <laughs> Do you think they've been in the hotel gym together in Dubai, just sizing off against one another? <laughs> they they would have been lifting a lot more than when you and I were there. <laughs> <laughs> we were basically just on ticking over on the spin bikes, mate. We're just trying that was to break, about as far as we got. We're just trying to break even on what was going to go down at the breakfast buffet <laughs> or the bar. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I love the challenger. There's amazing stories in there and you can just see the reactions and also the stories of some of the players that you're reading about, like not every nation is there because they, they are going to get onto the world series, but you have got players there who have, some of them have never been on a plane before. And, you know, they are there growing, playing against sides like Kenya, sides like China, who have got a bit of pedigree and they're only going to get better from it. And I think the fact that there is now three events like makes it really meaningful for the nations that aren't playing on the HSBC sevens. And as I said, if I'm in the bottom four, come the end of the season, I would my nerves would be jingling and jangling because as we know, anything can happen in 14 minutes, but the teams that are trying to push hard from below, they've got a real purpose. And I think that they could upset the apple cart. I almost don't like thinking about that tournament. It's just so savage. Um, it's going to be a bit of fun. Um, I love that story the, and just the perspective you've given on that Challenger Series because we focus so much, don't we, on the top end. And that's where there's a lot of glitz and glamour, and rightly so to a large degree. But this game will always be a global game and always about how many people are getting in, how many people are bringing into the party at all levels, young, old, experienced, inexperienced, well-funded, not well-funded. And that is kind of what the challenger is propping up um, at the moment. And it's nice that there is a formal and obvious and watchable transition between the two two competitions now. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, we like, we like to keep it light and fun and fluffy, just like the clouds up here in seventh <laughs> heaven. But there's, there is a bigger piece and the accessibility of sevens and... It's definitely the game that is easier to grow in these nations like Paraguay women or, you know, Argentina women. I think their playing numbers have doubled in the last five years and sevens is the big focus for them. And why not? And, you know, the same same can be said for Thailand. I don't know what the Thai women's rugby structure is out there, but I can't imagine there's many really high quality, fully fledged 15 aside teams out there. However, sevens is something that they can get their teeth into purely because of the, the numbers and also the ease of which the game can be understood. Uh, that's the thing as well. I've, I commentate on a lot of 15s and the thing that I find so refreshing about sevens and yes, there are a few errors from the referees, but there's errors from the players. So I'm fine with that. But the whistle goes... And we're off again. Like people aren't hanging around. They're tapping and going or they're calling for the scrum. There's no TMOs. There's no hanging around for arguing. And there's just a great pace and, a, and an ease of understanding to the game. We love sevens, don't we? <laughs> we love it. We've, got, we've just got to rein ourselves in. <laughs> Talking of growing the game and bringing it back up to the penthouse of sevens. And you mentioned Argentina women who are up and coming but Argentina men, Iskro's back, baby, after his foray out of the World Cup, and he's going to be absolutely rinsing folks for sure. So quick nod to that change. 
You talked about the lightness, the fun, the fluffiness. Do you know where I think the team has probably not been having loads of laughs over Christmas? It's the Black Ferns, mate. Should we go there and talk about the fact that I reckon they are going to have the bit between their teeth coming into Perth? Yeah, weird one. I mean, like, do you feel their backs are against the wall? I don't know. I, I never think the Kiwis, men's and women's, ever really feel like that. I think they always carry around this sense that they are always the winners and that when they're not winning, it's just like a blip on the journey, which is an amazing performance mindset to have. It was, it was a great quote from their coach, Sweeney, who said, it's like having a stone in your shoe. And this is the thing about the Christmas break, right? It's the longest break they have in, in the season. So it's a lot of thinking time if things aren't going well. But also it's kind of a bit of a momentum stopper if you're on a roll. Aussie women, obviously on a roll, trying to look, make it three from three for this season with a home tourney. But it can go both ways. The break can kill you or it can make you. The difference for a lot of teams will be who had a good preseason. So when you come into Dubai and you come into Cape Town, D- different teams are coming in at different stages because some have had a long preseason with all the players in. Others have had a very disrupted lead up in terms of getting access to players. Some players might be playing more 15s, um, funding and around how many camps you can have. GB are a classic example of that. And now you've had the long break. You've had a chance to work on things. So for teams that actually struggled going to Dubai, they could start to come really good now because they've had a bit of extra time together. And it, but it can work the other way. Christmas comes with, and I know, Bernsie, you like to indulge. Christmas and New Year can get the better of you. So we'll see if that's hurt any of the players. And now, look, they're all professionals. They're not going to let themselves go. But mentally, it can just disrupt your pattern a little bit. Well, as far as Black Ferns and All Black Sevens are concerned, they've got a bit of gameplay under their belt because they've been out of the Fiji Coral Coast Sevens, haven't they? Which, well, a few of them have, haven't they? Yeah, like I getting saw, some game time. Like, I, did I see Sam Dixon leading out the the development team? I mean, he's. I, I don't really get that. Is he coming back from injury? Like, what's the deal? Uh, yeah, because he he did um, he pulled out, didn't he? He tweaked in uh, going into Dubai, if I remember rightly. He tweaked Hammy, I think. So he's probably just getting some game time under his belt, ready to roll back on the series. Um, He's he's oh, I, I, he's a he's a big player for All Black Sevens. Like he is unsung hero, isn't he? Yeah. In terms of like leadership and just like the nuts and bolts that he offers around the park, and I mean nuts and bolts in the most generous and courteous way because he can also do bits. But big old nuts and big old bolts big, as well. Big, like, old, he, big old nuts and bolts. <laughs> he throws himself around um, completely recklessly for his, in terms of his own well-being. Um, and the guy's picked up a few knocks in his time and he's an absolute warrior. Uh, and it's great having people out in your team. He's been around at Leeds by example in the sense that he's willing to put himself on the line and do the graft. Um, and they've got plenty of other guys that do the fancy bits. Um, but their, their team, to be fair, has always, or their style has always relied on having those, I don't want to call them grunt guys, because as you say, they're more than that. But the physical boys, like they, they need that in their team for them to tick, I think. Um, so it'd be nice to have him back if he's in good shape. Um, we're skipping around quite a little bit, aren't we? I mean, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying the ride, Mitch. Um, yeah, just keep up, people. Keep up. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I'm glad you, you mentioned GB, though, as well in that Christmas break. 
haven't mentioned our guests. We do have England, England, former England, and GB sevens now um, flyer Emma Uren. And we also have one of the greats of Aussie Sevens, who's currently now coaches the men, old favourite of the pod, Chucky Stannard, who we've got for interview. And I'll be upfront with you all. We did do these interviews just before Christmas because they were meant to go out then when we were doing the pod, but I didn't get them out. Hands up, Burnsy's at fault here. But the content's so good that we've obviously kept it. We packaged it all together. So there's some stuff that's going to sound a little bit funny, but promise you there's good worthwhile stuff getting your ears into because Chucky Stannard is a student of the game and Emma Uren, well, she was red hot in Cape Town, right? Wasn't she? So She's on fire. Christmas got the better of you, Burnsy, didn't it? Just my case in point. I hope that you're not a symbol of what was happening on the, on the for the teams. Well, do you know what, Mitch? On on that point, I'm going to give you the choice. Who should we hear from first? We'll throw them in now. Do you want Emma Uren of GB or do you want Chucky Stannard of Aussie Sevens? Um, well, they're both disappointing so far as they didn't give us any stories about the night out in Cape Town. Uh, spoiler alert. But we'll go with Emma as a bit more of a harking back, a reminder of what went down in South Africa. One night in heaven, one night in heaven. GB's Emma Uren, lovely to have you in Seventh Heaven and fresh off the plane from Cape Town where we've just been discussing the party. How good was it off the field? How good was the APRE post-tournament after two gruelling weeks on the series? Yeah, Cape Town's always my favourite one out of all the stops. Um and when you're having two weeks together, it's quite nice to just be able to actually relax, put your own clothes on for once and get out of kit. Um, <laughs> that's, that's the biggest one, isn't it? And having that de-stress and relief off it. But um, yeah, we all kind of, Jazz is getting married um, next week. So we had a little like celebration of her and kind of one of those like little head and do stuff for her, which was quite fun. Like us all together, sat around and having a bit of shit chat as always. But yeah, it's, it, was, it was nice to be with this like squad and keep it up there. So you had Jazz Joyce's Hindu in Cape Town. That's pretty epic. Well, we've had one before, so this was like the low key version of the one before. To be honest, was it oh, really? Yeah. How big was the one before? Good <laughs> class, and having us all together was yeah. <laughs> we've realised that sometimes when it's all together, it can go wild very quickly. <laughs> Crikey, I'm nervous to ask him more questions. Um, we end up just going to the waterfront to, um, I think it was end up being like one of the Irish bars and just outside and chatted together. It was very tame, actually. It was really nice for once. Could you be any more Brits abroad? Going to Cape Town and going to an Irish bar. <laughs> well, we ended up in a Scottish bar. Um, <laughs> so obviously we got the Scots, didn't we? Um, but then there was too many people in there, so we were like, nah, we'll go next door. <laughs> Of all the epic places in Cape Town. Oh, I'm a bit, I got to say, I'm a bit disappointed. I thought we were going to get an epic night out story. Because it does go off in Cape Town. Some of the other teams must have gone big and gone to the club. Yeah, I think um, Caprice is the one that everyone goes to. Mm. We literally got out. And so we ended up going there to start with just to see what it was like. Everyone was standing on the road and we were like, no chance. We literally got straight back in the van and went to the waterfront. Do you know what, that's a sign you're getting old is that you're not willing to queue for the bars and the clubs. No, I, I didn't want to stand on the street 
So so that's the GB after party, but what about the festival? The festival vibe off the pitch. I know that you're really focused when you're playing, mm. but obviously Sevens is going for a rebrand. They're going for this festival vibe with a big party off the pitch. We've seen the swimming pool explode all yeah. over socials. So what was your take on the event as a whole? Because you've obviously got a bit of experience having been in Cape Town before. Yeah, I think the rebranding, they've put a lot of time into it. Like, it's class, I think. There's so much more partying going around it. Because um, I did a little lap to see family. And they've got oh, so yeah, to see tents. family, um, was it? Yeah, yeah. nice. <laughs> see family. It's not even my family. It's Abby Brown's parents. They end up being family <laughs> on tour. Um, and then like, there's loads of little stops with, like, partying. So you go around, and there was, I think there was, like, two disco girls with disco heads on, like, partying. Um, so there's a lot more stops like that outside of the sevens now, where I realised. Um, um, but yeah, Cape Town's class is always a good vibe. Um, but I think the rebranding's yeah, been real good. How do you feel as a player about it now? Like that, there's a big focus on this party. Do you feel it detracts from what you're doing on the pitch, or are you like bring it on? You might as well. I think sevens is always like that. It's so quick. It's so intense. Um, and if that brings brings more people in to watch it and be around it a hundred percent um we might as well make it bigger and make it more of a party like london sevens for example i used to love when we always dress up and go like you end up watching you don't watch it second for second we still watch real big moments and it draws people in that's an interesting one actually because you obviously watched a bit of the london like you would have gone to the london sevens every year would you when you were younger before yeah. you were playing um not every year but obviously i saw everyone because my street used to get closed so you'd come out and it'd be absolute chaos. Um, and also residents apparently voted for no fancy dress. I was not one of them because I always thought it was class, to be fair. I was like, oh, residents. Then I was like, oh, that's kind of me, but not me. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's cool. And it's so fun because it draws so many more people, but also it's different generations. Do you reckon that's part of what drew you into the game, like playing it, is that you thought actually this whole thing is pretty sick? Also, I just love the fact that you could play all day and then you would stay around and have a party after. So you, like you played so much rugby and it was so intense. And then afterwards you can actually just let loose a bit and enjoy it with your friends that you've literally just come off the field with. That's what I always enjoyed about it. So you got the best of both worlds with it. Or um, play for two days and then just go and sit in an Irish pub. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Talking of parties though, and party goers, just shifting it towards the rugby for a moment. The Aussie Sevens girls, some of the biggest... Yeah party players out there but also just getting it done on the pitch two from two yeah they're firing like you can tell that they've had a lot of time together beforehand um and they've been the same squad for ages um and been able to build on from last year you can tell that they've been working hard over summer and um building on basically where they left off last year so they're firing and also going down to six men oh, that final we were all watching it yeah, the fact that they won with six men, fair play to them. Like, France should have won that. If you go down, you don't normally win. Do you reckon? Yeah, so yeah. I, was of, I had a bit of a different opinion because the Aussies absolutely bossed it and scored, was it four tries pretty quickly, like with yeah, their first quick, pretty much yeah. four possessions. They turned the ball over, scored, turned the ball over, scored. Yeah. Um, and I thought from that position, it was theirs to lose. And then when France started coming back, I was thinking, surely Aussies aren't going to throw this away. But to be fair, playing with six, as you know, it's not yeah. easy. But that's, it's not easy at all. Like when you go down, like you have to change the whole way you play 
a little bit to also defend what they had. So I think they're lucky that they got the first few in there and mm. got that lead. So then they just needed to hold on. What is the strategy when you go down to six? <sighs> Half of it is kind of being smart and playing. So if you've got control, you kind of want to run down the clock to be able to get your number back on. And you just got to look after ball is the main one. Um, keep possession. Um, if you can score, obviously, brilliant. But keep possession, run down the clock, try and get another man back on. They keep playing on to you. You're going to let, let score in at some point. So there's always a balance with it. Um, but you can't, definitely can't go as hard defensively than what you would with seven. Yeah. I, I that th- breakdown. Yeah, a lot of it was, especially with the yellow, is like trying to wind the clock down yeah. to get someone back on. But when it's a red and you know you're staring oh, down yeah, the barrel of the rest of the game with six. You've got to just go hard. Which is easier to attack, isn't it, than it is to defend with yeah. a player down. Um, and they're, they're fair play. It was a pretty clear-cut red as well, I think. Yeah, 100%. Maddie, I mean, she's tall, so which is a problem I've never had, but she did <laughs> clock, was it, Grassino around the head. Yeah. Um, so naughty Maddie Levi, sent to the pine for the rest yeah. of the game. But wasn't there, but, um, originally she put the card to the wrong person, didn't she? There was a bit of confusion around the card, yeah. I think. I think that's probably because there were two pretty questionable contacts, which there actually, was, not to, not to, I'm not going to tar a team this early in the season with the disciplinary brush, but Burnsy, we were talking last week about some of the shots that the Aussies girls put in in Dubai. Well, they got and a red was... in Dubai against France. Again, they got a yellow and a red to uh, the same player against France in Dubai, and they still won that time as well. So, yeah, but, yeah, but on that one in Dubai, I thought that the yellow was a red and that the red was nothing. Like, oh, interesting. Ma- ma- marginal stuff, but like, I mean, they're, they're both spicy shots. Yeah, mm. yeah. But maybe that's just them. They're playing on the edge. That's what it takes to win tournaments. <laughs> just quickly on that Oz France game, though, and stylistically from France, mm. they were keeping the ball alive and they're like very abrasive in the end with their attack, like wearing Oz down. And again, with six, that's really hard. Is that the way like France play more generally? Is that what we expect to see from them for the rest of the year? Yeah, 100%. They love attacking, like doing the super strengths one on one, but also like you expect offloads from them. Like the way that they just want to play, keep the ball alive, basically. Um, so you've always got to pick up their offload runners. Um, so definitely more to come from them this year. I think you'll be seeing a lot more of that, them offloading um, and moving the ball back, about on the park, to be honest. And they just try and get it to Siafani, who's pretty quick, yeah, isn't she? Is she quicker than you, yeah. Em, be honest. Um, Not quite. I don't know, probably. That's a no. A I love that. I love just that? nudging no. the speedsters. If you give the speedsters a bit of chat about being slower than someone else, they just can't hack it. Love that. Uh, I think you've probably played every nation now across Dubai and Cape Town. Who are the other ones that are leaping out to you? Obviously, we know all about Australia. We're seeing France come to the fore. New Zealand, they're probably not firing on all cylinders at the moment, but yeah. we know historically. But what about the other nations? Who are the ones you think, yeah, they, they're looking like they could do bits this year? Just from the last two tournaments, Fiji, to be fair, um, were firing. They've spent more time together. Um, they're really attacking it and moving that ball about. I mean, they've always been difficult anyway with the way that they play. Um, and I think some teams do struggle with the way that they play, um, especially last year when we end up facing them, I think, every single tournament pretty much. <laughs> but um, from last season, they've definitely like taking another step up Brazil as well 
I mean, they've got as long as you like, they've got speedsters across board. Um, so I think as long as you keep them out of the game or a bit quieter, you, you'll be all right. But if you let them play into the game, you're always going to struggle against them. Um, Interesting. You've got to respect their speedsters. Yeah, can I ask about that? So you're you're probably talking about Talia Costa, Gabriela Lima. Mm. So strategically, how do you go about that when the situation is a little bit? If it gets into her hands and she's got enough room, then we're toast. Um, I think the biggest one is just feeling connected as a defence. Because I think the more you feel connected, the more confidence you'll have to actually defend them. Because I think if you if you feel isolated, you're just end up backtracking naturally and you're just given time to play it's basically just shutting them down it's the way that we always look at it i always think defending on the end is so difficult um you feel very isolated don't you and that's probably where the connection thing comes in like for the for the men it's probably like if you're going up against like perry baker on an edge or um Marcus Manetta, if you're giving them time, they're just going to get up to speed and then you like, they can go left, they can go right, go around yeah. you, they kick it. And then, so taking down their options. I remember, uh, again, my own experience, but Tom Bowen used to absolutely lock up Carlin Isles when he played against him, just like rushed mm-hmm. him, basically like dive, put his head in Carlin Isles' spokes and just like didn't get him, didn't let him get up to speed. Um, but it's hard skill, isn't it? Defending on the edge. No, no, and that's is. why I think it's such a good um, kind of training ground for any wingers being out there. Because if you can defend on a sevens pitch on the edge, you're laughing if you ever go and play 15s. Yeah. That's what I always say as well. They're like, oh, what's the main difference? And I'm like, everything's just extreme. Like, you've got to be able to defend with so much more space around you against people that are like faster, quicker, got feet. And I think that's the biggest one, isn't it? Like, mm. sevens is the most exposed you'll ever be defensively. Um, While we're talking a little bit about the crossover, we had a bit of a chat earlier, Burns and I, about there's a big narrative, especially in the men's game, about players coming 15s over 7s and -hmm. and that. It's obviously been a lot more fluid in the women's game over the years and you're experiencing that at the moment, crossing over between GB and then 15s with Ealing. General thoughts on that and also, are we expecting any players from 15s to come over to GB as the season progresses and we get close to Paris? Yeah, I think it's two completely different games. I think people forget that or people that haven't actually played or been exposed to it. Like it's two completely different games. If you're, you can be class in 15s, but if you come over to sevens, it doesn't guarantee that you're going to shine there. Um, it's the biggest one. And it's the same It's the same as well when you go back. If you, you can be class at sevens, but 15s, you just can get lost potentially. Um, and bounce, bounce, bouncing back and forth it's been great but it's so hard to develop your seven skills in a 15s environment as well as you're not pushing in the same direction um and players wise i mean there's always chats with meg wanting to come back i think there's always been she kind of went to 15s knowing that she she'll be back at some point um but then for the other girls there hasn't really been that much chat around it and i think there is an opportunity with the olympics for people to bring over but they're it really hasn't been chat. They've kind of all kept it a bit hush hush. Um, who would you just putting you on the spot? If you could pick one, just pull one over. Can't be Meg because it can't be Meg. She's can't be Meg because she's not really you she's know. My favorite. <laughs> she's. I think we're all expecting her to come back, aren't we? I'm, I don't yeah, know. I, I haven't chatted to her about that. I'll ask her. Yeah, we're all, yeah, we're all, all expecting it. I think she is as well. To be fair, 
So other than her, you pick one. You're definitely not going to pick a winger. I, I know you're dead or a centre. You're not going to pick a back. You're going to pick a forward. No, I was actually going to pick a back. Um, probably like a Helena Rowland. So um, silky. How or Alex Matthews is always great to have in the park as well. Mm. Um, with a bit of go forward. Yeah, let's talk about GB if we can, Emma, because saw an improvement in Cape Town. You looked a lot more cohesive as a crew, and. I'd love to just understand a little bit about some of the preparation and also how things have changed since it's become GB because I imagine there's been some things behind the scenes that probably aren't as clear to everybody as when you were all competing as England, Wales and Scotland. Yeah, I think it's been a bit of a... It's probably rollercoaster is the easiest way to describe it since we've become GB. Um, I think we're real lucky that we've got some great people involved in this program and a lot of people that care about us and put a lot of time and effort into it um but i think the reality of it is we haven't had the preparation that we've wanted um we only had nine days together we worked it out before coming into the first two tournaments which um isn't the prep that we would have wanted especially when all the other teams have been doing pre-seasons and been together for months and are very like they're firing when they come to the dubai where we're still having to learn on the field and kind of get that game sharpness out there, which isn't the perfect prep that you ever want. So I think that's where we were kind of just looking at building it every single game and getting better and kind of pushing our standards every game, um, which we definitely did. If you looked at Dubai versus Cape Town, we definitely started showing what we can do and what we're about and shows that there's so many more steps with that as well, both across men's and women's programmes. Um, but I think that's a reality of us wanting to find a sponsor and getting that extra bit of support to allow us to have more camps. Um, but we always laugh about it. We're based in Largs now because um, it's a cheaper for us to be based there. Um, but the weather is horrendous. <laughs> <laughs> I think there was one time we had to try like go and we had to go inside, which is like a bit of a smaller pitch because honestly, like you were walking everywhere. There was no way you were hitting top speed on that. <laughs> Can you just explain to everyone where Largs is? Um, land in Scotland and then drive about an hour and a half in the middle of nowhere <laughs> <laughs> it's so nice on a sunny day it's lovely and there's the the facilities there are amazing um and on a sunny day the, that pitch is actually really nice but however there ain't many of those in Scotland no. <laughs> <I know. laughs> that's um it's I think it's really oh, I think it's really important for people to understand where the GB men's and women's teams have, have come from into these first two tournaments and the difficulties and I've chatted more to the blokes about this but the difficulty of knowing that that's your preparation and trying to set your expectation levels you know you know you're not going to be playing your best rugby probably these first two tournaments and it's easy to say that though isn't it but it's very hard to just like turn off that competitive bit of you that wants to be challenging for medals and wants to be playing for trophies and knowing the talent that's in both groups knowing that actually that is within the groups. You can do that, but the reality of, you know, yeah. only spending less than 10 days together before tournaments, you're not going to be hitting your straps. It's the reality of it that we've had not the preparation we wanted, but also like we can't use it as an excuse. So that's where also the frustration comes with it. It's like you're going out there and the rugby's not going the way you want it or something's not clicking. And we have so much frustration within us because we know where we can be. We know we have so many people off the field working so hard for the program um, to put it in this place that it is now. Like where we are now is a great spot. 
um yeah okay it isn't perfect but we have people that are investing in it and taking time and wanting it to wanting and seeing where it can grow this is the reality of it but there's nothing we can change and we've just got to do the best of what we have now um and we do have so much talent and we have little sparks of showing what we can do um and it's kind of just building on that and focusing kind of going right that's what it is we're focusing now on what we can do and making sure that we grow every game is the biggest one for us now Nice, love that attitude. Um, you just got to keep grafting it and keep doing what you yeah. can do. I mean, you yeah. sat at ninth at the moment in the standings. Who, which teams above you? Ireland, Brazil, USA. Like you've got to be looking at those, thinking we got to be, we're knocking those teams off next time we play them, aren't you? Yeah, hundred percent. Like we played Ireland, we won one against them, and then lost the second game. Um, USA as well. Um, felt that we could have had them as well. Um, again, just a, a few small things that um, kind of that we need to address and keep improving on and pushing the boundaries of performance that we always want to do. Um, but 100%, that's why it's so frustrating. Like that USA game, I was so frustrated because I was like, look, we have them. Like, we could have won that. Should we shower a bit of praise and embarrassment on you, Emma? Because you <laughs> made the dream team. I mean, that's yeah. got to feel good, right? Yeah. It did, to be fair. I didn't see it coming, to be truly honest. Do you know what I mean? I, it was one of them, like, sometimes I think you, when you scored loads, you know, I had a great tournament, but sometimes it's not about that. I feel like I just did loads of small things all the time. But then to kind of see that come out, I was like, oh, that's that feels pretty good, to be honest. Pretty special. Sometimes the graph gets recognised. I'm not quite sure about the configuration of how they publish the Dream Team or or what the meaning is behind it. But for those who haven't seen it on socials, it's in a Christmas tree formation with the seven and you're sat right atop of that tree. So, I mean, does that mean you're the best in the bunch? Like everybody else plays beneath you? Like it's... I know, I did see that. My mum was like, mum was like, are you right at the top having your number one? I was like, mum, I'm not sure that's the way they've done it. <laughs> <laughs> but I do appreciate being number one, actually, on the top of that. But I don't think that's the way they've done it. It's a pretty good team, that. Just looking at the team, pretty handy. Who of you are the top stars at the moment? If you're going to pick out a couple of players from other teams. Well, looking actually, I'm actually just looking at the dream team as well. I do think Tegan Levi has to be out there. Friend of the pod. Last few tournaments, to be fair to her, like she's been class, she's been firing with it all. Bernsey wants you to say someone from Canada or Japan because there's two favourite teams. Really? No. <laughs> I think you'll find that Ireland, Ireland and Japan, Actually, Canada, Canada was Layla Harrison's uh, favourite team. I don't have any mm -hmm. favourites, by the way. I'm not indulging in this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, God, I think it's hard. Oh, God. Who do you think is going to win the World Series this year if it's not GB? Right now, on performances, Aussie. Mm, it's hard to look past them, isn't it? It is. And they're firing, like, New Zealand were beat. They went in the final this time round. I know, I know they did have a major injury and lost one of their key players. Um, but I think they could be pushed, but I think the way that they're going now, they'll probably yeah, they'll be up there to win it. Emma, thanks so much for coming on 7th Heaven and sharing some slightly disappointing news about the party, but really indulging yeah, <laughs> the review of the rugby and everything else going on, particularly in on the women's side of the game at the moment that was great conversation thanks so much for your time it was awesome thanks for having me wow uh emma really really good conversation actually really really enjoyed chatting to her and going well 
and under some challenging circumstances, I don't, I don't feel it's been in the press really properly. I feel that everyone knows that GB are under the pump from a program wise, but it really isn't getting many column inches. And I, I feel that it needs to be said that they are doing what they're doing kind of against all the odds. Yeah, Emma's super cool, isn't she? As you say, despite the fact that there must be some frustrations in there. I mean, I think it does need explaining because there's a reason that you look at the standings and the women are, are down in ninth and the men are in 11th. And this is unusual for British teams, but, but particularly with of the strength of the, the pedigree of Great Britain. But they just haven't got the funding this year to spend as much time together as they want, essentially. But I feel like there's a bit of a different vibe from the men's and the women's. The women's team, I think, are just sitting that little bit more comfortable, knowing that really they're looking ahead to the Olympics and they're on this slightly slower build. It means you kind of take your eye off the results to a degree. Um, I just feel like they're, they're a little bit more settled in their group. I think the men have been really up against it, knowing that they've got to play that um, qualification game to get the Olympic spot. I think it just comes with more pressure. But I have to say the boys have had a really good Christmas. They've had a, they managed to get in some extra training time together, uh, which has made a real difference. They had an amazing session up at Ravenscraig in the indoors, which is so key at this time of year. Ravens, the other thing. Ravenscraig. That sounds like some sort of mythical, like <laughs> mythical competition. <laughs> like it was them versus um, Hufflepuff, and they went really well. <laughs> but like lost out to Slytherin in the semis. <laughs> Sometimes you have to go to the mythical places. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, it's just up in just the training center up in Scotland. Um, but it's indoors. It's the it's SRU training center and it's, uh, they had a really good session and I think they're just starting to believe that they can, they can go to the next level with their game. They need to be beating the teams that are close and around them, the teams that they want to be scrapping against to get out of that, uh, Madrid promotion relegation tournament and then so they'll have one eye on that but I think the women are going they're, they're building nicely I don't what would be interesting to know is as the tournaments roll on whether there's changes in personnel but we'll have to wait and see one thing about GB uh, that we have to acknowledge and look we try and be as global as we absolutely can but obviously Mitch former GB captain and we're both living around these shores and want to give a Big shout out to a couple of mates of ours. Ross McCann, selected for the Scotland Six Nations squad. And the one, the only, the horse Will Muir has been selected for England for the Six Nations. It needed an injury to one of his teammates, but he got there. That's a very horsey thing to do. It's just like somehow he would have been wishing for that injury, I'm sure. He's that type of bloke. No, he's not at all. Um, but he so, so deserves it. Awesome to see Ross get the call up. Um, been grafting for a long time and in the game. And this season has been filtering into the Edinburgh stuff, which is where the call-ups come for the Scotland squad. So hopefully he goes well there. Um, and the horse, will he get a shot? I don't know. He's been tearing up for Bath. He's got a whole corner of the wreck named after him, which is, can I just say this most ridiculous thing? It's called Horse Corner because he keeps scoring. It's called Horse Corner. The fact that it's got this far... From and I remember the day we were training at the Lensbury Hotel when we were back with England Sevens a few years ago now. And someone said, I think it was Chippy to give him credit, Rich the Carpentier said, You run like a horse. That's Chippy's accent. And then uh, everyone had a bit of a giggle. 
And honestly, Wilmio turned around and he goes, huh, horse, that'll never stick. And then here we are. However many years later, he's got a whole corner of a premiership rugby stadium named after him. <laughs> Mate, I, I don't know if I've told you this, but he came to London Irish last season. So Bath were playing London Irish in the premiership where I was stadium announcing. Horse was, of course, injured. But anyway, he was there. So I see it. I catch up with him outside the stadium afterwards. And we're there chatting. And this woman comes up and she, she goes, excuse me. And his ears prick up. And she says, excuse me, but weren't you the announcer at the hockey at the Commonwealth Games and points to me? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yeah. I was like, yes. I was like, yes, it's so nice to see you. And like, horse couldn't believe it. So he's, he's spitting feathers at this stage. Then we go to the pub. And we go to walk into the pub and Bath have got battered this day, um, this game by London Irish. And we go to walk into the pub and this Bath fan comes out and looks at him and goes, goes, oh, Elliot Stook, we could have done with you today. (laughs) 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 And he's been, so he's been misidentified as a second row as well, all like within the same five minutes. I was like, this is so good, horse. This is so good. But... He, These God, are good humbling stories because he's probably absolutely flying right now after getting the call out to the England squad. So I just want to say that he should have been there from the start. I don't know what I don't know how well he has to play to not be in that squad from the start. He's been ripping it up. He does so much. You obviously see all of his seven skills on show, aerials, positioning, speed, all that sort of stuff. But he's way stronger than I thought he was, and his finishing prowess is exceptional. But we can't we can't just sit here and talk about horse. You know, good luck good luck to you. Well, we're, we're here we are talking about someone that's gone from sevens, developed their game, grown, and now ended up in international fifteens. We're still waiting for the guys that are going the other way to filter onto the series this year. I was hoping that it might be the perfect one for hoops to step in. Home tawny, Perth. We sort of might see him run out for Aussie Sevens men, but not ready. Not ready, not ready. We do touch on that with Chucky Stannard in our interview, Big Hoops. Um, I think they were anticipating throwing him in, weren't they? Well, it's a good one to sell tickets. Oh, especially home competition as well. So a bit of a shame. I think Anton Dupont has played his last game for Toulouse. He played that against Bath, funnily enough, at the weekend. So he was he, good as well. So he's now going like fully fledged into the sevens camp. But just coming back to hoops, I love it that we're we're best mates with him now. Never, never, I've never met him. Never, never met, met the, the guy. Never met the bloke. Hoops, um, hoops, home competition, and I want to touch on that because the Aussie women last year they were they were going all right. I think they'd won Dubai, they'd missed out in Cape Town, but then they got to Sydney and they like bombed massively. They didn't make it out of the quarters. I think they got beaten by France, which is. Like, no shame at all because they're one of the top four. But pressure on the Aussie women to perform this time, new venue. I mean, you played at the London Sevens so many times. What was that pressure like? Was it good? Was it bad? You know, how did you deal with it? It was mostly good, I think. It, but it is different. Uh, and different doesn't always work for, for players. Um, it's different because you, you're you more excited by about it more than anything because usually it's the time when you get to play in front of your friends and family, whereas obviously it's the one time you play at home. So um, obviously mostly most of the time people can't travel. And that gives it something special, but 
with that special feeling probably does come a bit of extra nerves whether it's pressure i don't know but certainly some nerves and uh there is probably expectation i mean people will be supporting you more at home than they probably are elsewhere and sometimes that's a great feeling and it it surges teams on to do their best stuff and sometimes it doesn't because it's a funny thing like added support can mean added pressure because you're more aware of the people you've got to let down essentially is how your brain kind of interprets it so i always enjoyed it i always loved it but that said we didn't get our best results in london we didn't really do that well in our home tournament um we never won it um which was frustrating at the best we finished we did finish second one year lost in the final um to scotland oh, oh um, I, I wasn't gonna bring it up i wasn't gonna bring it up i was watching from the stands so it was even worse um were you injured i was injured yeah yeah we it was we finished second in the series that year we I uh, broke my leg in Paris the week before, uh, just a small fracture, but I just couldn't couldn't run, and um, yeah, oh, it was brutal. It was brutal. Anyway, anyway, anyway it's not anyway. about me. Um, <laughs> um, but the Aussie girls, I don't know because they seem so buoyant and so confident. Are they going to be phased by playing at home? Um, I don't know. I don't know. I think in some ways there is added pressure because people are talking about making a hat-trick of wins. And I think if this tournament had fallen quite soon after Cape Town, that becomes a more realistic feat in some ways because you just, the momentum carries on. But as I say, this is almost like a reset in the season. It's the only reset you get now because it comes thick and fast all the way through to Madrid. But I don't think it will benefit them, is my gut feel. Do you know what? They'll I, still be good. Let's be honest. They'll still be good. Of course they'll be good. Of course they'll be good. But, you know, they're going to feel that. And like the way that I'm thinking as well is that if I'm a team playing against the Aussie girls or boys, that I'm going to raise my game. I'm like, I'm going to stick it to them in their backyard. Like, that's going to motivate 100%. me. So there, there's, I, I, I feel that they're, I feel it's not a negative but there's definitely factors playing against you when it's your home tournament. That's how I feel. So I think in some ways doing the, the hat-trick of wins is a bigger challenge for them, given that it's at home. Absolutely. Yeah. How good would it be if we had a New Year's Day tournament? Oh, that'd be nice, wouldn't it? Like kick the year off with a three-day on New Year's Day somewhere in the world. Buenos Aires, I'm calling it. That'd be, that'd be that'd be a nice start. What so, is it with you in South America? Are you on commission? On the, yeah, with the, the South American Tourist Board. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I seen what I seen what Catholic and Levi are getting from the Aussie Tourist Board, and I'm like, do you know what? I think I could do with a bit of South American coin. Talking to people who sell Australia. Oh yeah, here's a guy. <laughs> here's a guy who was a poster boy in his own way for Australia, but certainly for the Game of Sevens. Should we hear from Chucky Stannard? Yeah, give me Chucky in seventh heaven, baby. One night in heaven, one night in heaven. Chucky Stannard, mate, I think that other than Dan Norton, you're only the second person to have come on to seventh heaven more than once. Congratulations. Yeah. Cheers, cheers. <laughs> Thanks. Um, are we the only two that said yes or...? <laughs> <laughs> No, I was just saying, mate, good to have you on because it's nice to have someone with actually an idea of what's what's going on, not just the rugby stuff. But we are chatting to Emma Ren as well. So she's a player. We're thinking we were going to get some good night out stories because 
you know, after Cape Town, it's usually pretty loose. She gave us nothing. She said that they had a quiet night. We were like, we know, we know a guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, normally, normally I, I have a few on Cape Town, but um, I'm much the same as mate. I was, I was, I was crook over the weekend, and I ended up going hitting the sack. So, so yeah, mate, I'm much the same as her. I, I didn't go out, which is rare for Cape Town. Well, even if the night out stories were disappointing, the on-pitch performances weren't disappointing, Chuck. Decent run, hey, getting to the final. No, it was excellent, mate. Um, I think we, we asked a lot of them in that second week to sort of take a step forward from, from Dubai. That was pretty disappointing results. Um, we, we sort of prepped. We had a good prep. Good block. We we performed okay in um, Oceania, and so Dubai was pretty disappointing for us as a as a group. And then, um, yeah, on uh, Sunday night when we were driving home, we were pretty happy with with where we where we got to. Yeah, nice one. What is the difference? People must watch and think how the teams shift so much from one week to the next, and like being in it. I, I'm not sure I have all the answers, but what is the shift? Or, or on this occasion for you guys, what was different from Dubai to Cape Town, do you reckon? A bit more prepared from just a little bit of experience and a flush out from Dubai. Um, we sort of, uh, it was it, it was a good eye-opener for some of the guys. We had a couple of new debutantes as well over those two weekends, uh, three. So um, a fairly new team and, and young team. So it was it was good for them to experience the buy, and and I guess that gave them the confidence going into Cape Town. Where are you guys at uh, coming into this season? Because you were champions, and then I guess last year you were probably a bit disappointed with where you ended up. Um, I guess our long term sort of goal is that um, the Olympics or being ready to play at the Olympics and perform at the Olympics. Um, we and the men's haven't won a medal there or or made finals there ever. So. Um, but we we got to understand we got to build to get there too. So um, I think we we yeah we had a good year that first year we won the the World Series. Then we were disappointing last year. Um, we lacked a bit of consistency, I guess, and we had a lot of lot guys in and out um, that didn't help. But this year, big focus around being consistent and um, just actioning a lot of stuff that we're saying. Um, and just working hard, uh, and I and I think just keeping it simple like that, and that's one of a couple of the things that we went into Cape Town this weekend that that worked for us around just having a bit of action to what we say and 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 a bit of ticker around um, what we do, you know. Nice, I like that a bit of ticker about what you do. Put that in the coaching manual. Um, with like you know, you guys had the kind of misfits label, you know, and I've always felt like. The Aussie way to a to a degree, in my experience, is like a lot of scrap, bit of dog, like you know, just go after it kind of attitude. Is that still very much kind of where you hang your hat as a, as a group? Do you reckon? Um, I think I think it's sort of in our DNA as as Aussies, and um, I, I think we've moved sort of. We, we haven't forgotten that, or we don't ha- not have it. Well, we don't not like we don't speak about it. I think it's just in our DNA around around that. Um, not not so much the misfits, but that's that that battler fight and dog um, sort of mentality. I think that's in our in our DNA as Australians. Um, yeah, 
Uh, going back on that misfits, uh, we sort of moved on from there, but not forgotten it as such, if that makes sense. Um, but um, a lot of a lot of teams are like us as well. The Irish Irish are battlers as well, um, and and Great Britain at the moment they they got a lot of blokes in that team that are sort of camp, like they're all camp based and. Uh, they're doing it pretty tough, I guess, with consistent trainings and um, compared to us. And they're, they're, they've got great results over the weekend and um, and they're, they're battling as well and got a bit of fight and dog in them as well. So I guess um, there's a lot of teams that have got the same mentality. Uh, I think the USA, same. Yeah, you've given us a pretty nice appraisal of some of the opposition out there. You've played them all. What would you say about them? I'd love to know what you think about Argentina. Obviously, play them in the final. They're looking like the team to beat. Do you think they're the real deal? Yeah, I do. Um, um, I think that what they are is the the most consistent team in the world at the moment for the last two years in their performances. Um, I think they're uh, in a really good spot where they're they're a team. I know they've got good individuals, but I feel like they all complement each other and they're not selfish in the way they play. Um, I feel that they've, they're one of the best teams in the world at the moment and hardest to sort of crack because of how good they are technically around aspects like restart and, and um, tackle contest around there. But the most consistent performing team in the last two years with a core group of players. I think there's something you've hit on there which people probably take for granted is the consistency of playing group. Like we know when you've got a group of players for a sustained period of time, it's just those intangibles, like being able to read each other, the timing with one another, and it all just clicks. And that's what's happening for Argentina at the moment. But not a lot of other teams really had that. I mean, New Zealand is an interesting one because they've got like a big group of players that they kind of pick and choose from, but they still have a lot of new combinations that they often roll out. And maybe that's why they're faltering a little bit at the start of the year. Um, USA have had big changes. Ireland have kind of got a consistent group. And I think that's why they will push for some medals especially now that TK is back in, Terry Kennedy lighting it up. Um, but we were saying that perhaps with Argentina, the only Achilles heel is if Mineta goes down or if he's not playing, where's, where's, where are the tries coming from, I guess? But then we remembered that they've got Isco to come back. So, Yeah. Yeah, he's a... He's a- He's a big difference um, as well. You got him and both those blokes on an edge and restarts. It's a, uh, it's a handful, isn't it? They're, it is a handful. Big bodies too. I, I, I can't see any of those um, Gonzalez and those blokes. Like they, they're just huge frames. I don't see how they're even going to get hurt. They're just hurting people, whether they're running or um, at you or, or tackling you. But um, no, I think it's just such an interesting point you make, mate. And and I think um, I'm a big believer of having your combos the same all all the time if they're in form. Um, but and you touched on New Zealand having a bigger group. It's almost like sometimes, yeah, they've got some injuries, but they're they're drip feeding some some blokes in their program, especially in the women's. Like they they have they have new girls coming through too now. So um, it'll be interesting to see what they feel getting closer to the Olympics and and during the season. Hey, Chucky, you were talking about consistency of team selection, which brings us nicely on to personnel, and obviously one of the big stories coming into sevens this year 
is Michael Hooper. Give us a scoop on that. Is he is he in camp? Has he been training with you guys? How's he looking? What are you looking for him to bring? It's pretty exciting to have him coming across the sevens. Uh, he's been into a couple of sessions with, with the lads and he's been doing his running uh, off-site. Um, again, he's he's had a big season in Super Rugby, then World Cup, and and he, he needs to get away from footy probably just to, to regenerate. I think too, but um, he's been in a couple of sessions, uh, gone pretty well. Geez, he's he's a he's a thick bugger. Um, <laughs> when you when you go wrestle some of these boys, like um, I can get my arms around them because they're, they're they're fit, but they're not thick. These boys, but when you go wrestle him, it's you're lucky to touch your fingers. He's he's thick around the the top. Um, <laughs> no, but he's he's. he's I don't, I don't, yeah. Um, without giving too much away, mate, he's he's been pretty good in the the couple of sessions that we've had. He hasn't been under pressure or anything like that. Um, at the at the moment, it's sort of just getting in and getting to know the boys and um, getting to understand the running side of it and what's expected. But he'll he'll amp up when we get back in in January uh, on January third. Um, what a what a sort of expect from him is is what he's done for the last decade for Australian rugby is just um, die for the cause I guess um, because I think he's got this um, ability to get players around him grow taller and, and play um, outside themselves I guess um, which which we which would be good for our group having some young players and and the experienced players we have as well haven't experienced professional 15s or any of that before. So um, I think he'll be great for them to sort of learn from and and sort of grow as players. Hopefully some of them turn like grow 10 foot tall and bulletproof around him. So might get a couple of inches out of them. What does it do for the program? Like is it is it obviously it's put the spotlight on the program a little bit. Is that good or bad? No, I think it's great. I think it's awesome for the program, but not only that, Sevens. Um, uh, sevens is a great game, I, um, and it's definitely given us a lot of exposure. Um, I've seen more more posts when he signed in that day than I saw in a few years on, on our team. So it's, um, it's been fantastic um, for, the, for the program and... Um, to get a little bit of exposure, which is which is awesome for the game. I know you kind of suggesting that he can swap over pretty, you know, as long as he's fit and he does the simple things, it's going to be easy enough for him. And he's because he's a good footy player. But like what you saw it when you were a player, you had guys come in, didn't you, around Rio? Yeah. Um, and arguably, like not that successful. And we, a few other teams tried to bring guys in for 15s that wasn't didn't really go off in the way maybe we thought it would. Like what's the secret and what's the like what are the challenges there for sevens, fifteens or fifteens to sevens? Um I think I'm I'm not sure with those other guys. I know we've made the mistake in previous years when we've we've grabbed guys in the the time in the driver's seat. Um they've had limited time to experience the game and, and make mistakes and learn because it is different. It is it is different. Um but it takes time to to understand it as well. Um, 
whereas Hoops is going to come in with a few tournaments, um, hopefully under his belt before we we get to a stage where he decides or we decide that the Olympics is good. Um, and he's under no illusion of he's walking into a spot either. Um, so I think he'll be plenty keen to get out there and experience as much as sevens as possible. But I think what we're doing right, and, and I we don't know the answer, but getting game time and, and and experiencing it, hopefully five or six times before we get to the, the Olympics, it puts him in good stead and, and that he can sort of adapt. Um, and then it's up to him, I guess, after that. Is he going to have to go through any stinking initiations off-field? Yeah. yeah, let's hear about the initiations. I haven't been a part of that for years, um, so I wouldn't know what's, what the boys are running these days. Um, it's probably... I don't know, probably a game of cards or something like that. I don't know what they do anymore. <laughs> I, 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 I have a feeling some of that stuff's gone um, through integrity units and stuff like that. I sort of made that extinct, I guess. Look, um, <laughs> I guess it's a team that needs absolutely no more stardust added to them is your women who are going supersonic at the moment. And... Uh, you're in a privileged position because you worked so closely with them previously. And I, yeah. for me, when I look at the Aussie programme, I, I can't think of another nation where the men and the women are so interconnected. Maybe GB, yeah, maybe. I'd say, would be a rival to that. But for you, the men and the women seem super tight, super connected. But your girls are unreal at the moment. Mate, they're red hot. Um, I sort of, I've been really, I was saying earlier, I've been really enjoying watching them play. Uh, this year that you got you got Maddie on a wing who sort of scores every time she touches it or or makes a massive impact um, and then her sister's in the middle bashing people or getting offloads to her sister so it's it's uh, the Levi show at the moment but um, and and I know there's um, that sort of can't happen without the good stuff from Charlotte and and the Maddie Ashby's as well that that work hard in the middle to create stuff for them but. <laughs> Like you said, they um their their mojo, um, which I, I like to say mojo, um, Austin Powers, they've they've got it at the moment. Oh, for us um, Brits. Yeah. Oh mate, we, we, we sort of found it a bit on the weekend actually, um, which is good. Um but they, their mojo is, is bloody working at the moment. They're all in sync, like you said. Um they they, they know each other's game and that they're, they're They've, they're running real hot. Really impressive. Really impressive to watch. Basil. <laughs> <laughs> I saw it. I went back to it a couple of times this weekend, especially after the Kiwi game, which is uh, sort of in a nice way of saying it. Um, we've got to get our mojo back, you know. And, and we did. We looked good when we had our mojo. Um, but, but I tell you, the, the girls, they've, they've um, as much as they've been killing it, um, They've had some tough games against um, New Zealand, but even France, that I mentioned earlier, they've had red cards in both those games and ground out a win. So it says a lot about the, them as a group, mate. It says a lot about them. Oh, mate, I love having you on, Chucky. I love listening to you talk, and I watch you down on the touchline, and you just live and die with every pass, every hit. You're going through. I'd love to get a heart rate monitor from you out there. It, uh, it'd be about 50. I'm pretty fit at the moment. Um, don't put one on Johnny. Don't put one on Johnny, mate. 
Hey, I tell you, he, he could. You guys should put um, a thing on uh, one of your headphones on him. He, he's a he's a classic, Johnny. He he'll commentate the whole game. He'll commentate the whole game for you. Well, we've definitely got to do that. Get the heart rate monitors on and a microphone on each of you. That would be gold. Well, actually, that's definitely we we don't need to say so from World Rugby. We'll just do a Seventh Heaven podcast recording just so we can roll that out. Oh mate, you you um, you'd have to get. One of the beeping. Have you got the beeping tool on? <laughs> that sounds like a that sounds like a big technical ask for, from someone who's sat in his car at the moment. <laughs> I thought. I swear I saw the the arches before through your windscreen. Did you drive through the McDonald's drive-through? <laughs> Final question is next stop on the series is Perth. It's Australia, but it's a brand new destination. Uh, you know Perth pretty well. What should everyone be expecting compared to the uh, the days of Sydney? Oh, uh, the beaches are way nicer. The beaches are way nicer. Um, if, if they say otherwise, um, I'll, I'll, I'll shout them a coffee or a beer. But um, the, no, I reckon there'll be a lot of support there. I think they've sold a lot of tickets already. Um, I went on the other week to try and get some, so there's not many left. But it'll be a dry heat up there um, and a lot of support. There's a lot of Kiwis and South Africans over there. But, mate, it's a, it's a beautiful joint. It's a beautiful joint. Um, are you guys going over? Oh, don't ask. Do not See? ask that, Chuck. It's a sore point. Yeah. If anyone wants yeah. to sponsor us getting over there... <laughs> Yeah, someone someone sponsor these blokes and get them over, mate. It's a, it's an unreal weekend in Perth. Um, I love Perth. I want to settle down there. So I, I reckon it's the best state in the, in Australia. And and all the teams we're talking to, like I spoke to Dave, the French uh, coach, women's coach, and he's going over early. And um, the Irish are there a week early, like. Um, to soak it up and we're going in just normal time I thought can we get over there earlier and and spend time over there but you just want to go and hang out on the nice beaches Chuck you, you've exposed yourself already we know your game yeah well I've asked to do a few promos but they said players only so oh well I look forward to seeing a few shots yeah. of you and your budgies no there's no way I'll get my kid off mate you and, you and John and your budgies off. you and John and your budgies that's what everyone wants oh yeah now we're talking oh, now we're talking yes yes Sex sells. Um, <laughs> 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 anything to push the uh, anything to push the content on the new sevens. <laughs> oh mate, that'll go viral. Uh, probably oh. in the wrong spots. <laughs> <laughs> one night in heaven, one night in heaven. What a bloody good bloke! What a bloody good bloke! <laughs> Bloody oath, mate. Blood. One of the bloody finest. Bloody oath there, Dinkum. Um, yeah, we, we got a lot of love for Chucky, a lot of love for that rugby mind of his. And um, yeah, he's good on the old beer off, isn't he? <laughs> he's got it all. He's the complete package. Um, but it's, it's certainly hearing from him, an authentic Australian uh, talk about the rugby out there. It's an exciting prospect, isn't it? Perth. Is, is it going to absolutely boot off? It's looking that way. I mean, like all the teams have been out there early. They basically bolted on a holiday pre-competition. Um, sounds like some really strategic management selling to the treasury at all the various like 
uh, rugby club. Rugby <laughs> to the club. verses. Yeah, to the, to, to the verses. What am I at school? Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm all for it. Take it to new territories. It was obviously kind of, it, it was like bombing in Sydney. It was so empty last time. So I say take it to WA and make it like a little bit of an event out there. But hey, yeah, Matt, it sounds like it's going to be good. But I think people justify going early because it's a long travel for a lot of people. So there's the jet lag side. And the luxury of that is, as a player, you basically got two extra days often tagged onto the front of your trip where you can't train because you're recovering from jet lag. So you, you do little bits and pieces, but you can't really go hard. So you tend to get a lot of free time, hit the beach, chill out. It's good stuff. Oh, yeah, we haven't touched on it. Hutch, Henry Hutchinson, back after <sighs> a nasty ACL. What a boy, what a player. Absolutely love this guy. And he's back in green and gold. Yeah, one of the best blokes out there. Uh, I've been following his progress just f- via his own Instagram. Um, so if anyone wants to kind of track his journey, just go and jump on it. And it's just been drip feeding bits here and there. And it's just a reminder of what graft is. When you're injured, it's lonely. You're watching the team play. You're not involved. He went through the winter in Australia, which admittedly is not that bad, but you know, it's not the not the place you want to be when you're out there doing your rehab by yourself. So it's amazing to see him back. He's got the zinc across the nose. He looks absolutely jacked. He's always a good nick. Um, so I hope he's found his his speed, his spark, because God, they could they could certainly use it. Um, but he's also stay, he's stepping into a time when I think they're not going so badly, the men. And he said that it's great to be back in with the group. Um, I think there's good vibes around that men's team and he'll add to that and he's got good experience so oh it's good to see him back cute hutch we like that's what we call him cute hutch Hutch. cute hutch yeah he's cute he's cute i don't know if we've ever told him have you just anointed him that no we used to refer to him as cute hutch i don't know if we've ever told him that but here it is we're telling everyone now but it's that, it's, it's that thing again for us, Benzi. Here we are, a full diatribe about sevens, a full wrap-up, and yet we, we are watching from afar once again. And people take the mick, don't they? The amount of pictures I've seen of people on beaches in their budgie smugglers, they're having a laugh. Yeah, man, there seems to be a massive holiday element <laughs> to the sevens now. It's the, the rugby is kind of by the by they're in saunas, they're in like ice baths in exotic locations. I mean, like Perth's a really cool place, apparently. Like you heard from Chucky, the beaches, but there's a lot going on there. Um, now, let me paint a picture for you. Imagine this. You and I, we're on Cottesloe Beach. You've got a meat pie in one hand. You've got a pina colada in the other, or whatever you fancy. I'm in the sun. I'm enjoying the sunshine. You're in the shade, obviously. <laughs> And we're just soaking up the sea air. We can hear the waves crashing. The players are chucking pills around. And then we go for a stroll amongst the gum trees, go and cycle our bikes around Rottnest Island. This is what the players are doing right now. We, mate, have you, oh, I want a bit of it. Mate, have you been reading erotic literature over the festive <laughs> break? I mean, where's, where's this going? <laughs> It's the, it's the work for the tourist board that all the players have been commissioned to do. Uh, but it does look good. I hope they bring the party. That's always the thing, isn't it, now? It's like we, we know the rugby's going to come alive, but have they set up the party? I suspect they would have done. The Aussies like to have a, like have a shindig. Well, yeah, you heard from Emma that she absolutely loved it in Cape Town, right? And again, the fact that it's going to a new location, they can sort of bring that energy. Do you remember when... The series went to Vancouver for the first time. 
and the kind of life that got generated in that city. And as a result, like so quickly, it became the best stop. Well, one of the best stops on the series. Obviously, that's always over for debate. But if you talk to any of the players, <sighs> everyone looks forward to Vancouver. And it's not one of the historic ones, is it? It's not like Dubai. No. It's not like Hong Kong. So if you take it to a new territory and you get it right and the whole city gets behind it, then suddenly the place is popping. And yeah, I really feel I like it. I really feel that Perth's got that capacity. Oh, are you working for the tourist board as well, Bernsey? You've got me going. No, you're right, but it can also, I'm just gonna just gonna temper your enthusiasm for a moment. It can go the other way. There's sort of tournaments in the past where it's moved and it's taken two, three years for it to really get going, get the crowds in. I sense you're right, I sense this is different and that there's gonna it's gonna be well attended and it's gonna go off. So roll on the weekend. With that in mind. You're going to want to put me on the spot. Let's go to my favourite, your least favourite section of the pod. 100% failure rates so far this season. <laughs> it's Mystic Mitch, everybody. Don't let him pick your lottery numbers. The guys are poor. <laughs> uh, um, but look, I want, to, um, I, I want to sort of reframe the Mystic Mitch pitch, as it were, that... I don't I don't want to look at the bottom. I don't want want to be predicting who's going to be bottom. I, I don't like the doom mongering. I don't feel like that's what we're about. We can kind of maybe revisit that when we're knocking on Madrid's door, but no no no. I'm thinking now winner surprise package. So that's that's our pair of picks. What do you say? Oh, I feel like you've done me you've done me a favor here. You've done me a solid. I'm still going to get it wrong almost certainly, but I like where your head's at. I'm going to hit you with the women. I'm going to say New Zealand, the Black Ferns are going to come good and they're going to take the title on this one. Because if there's anyone that wants to disrupt the Aussies on their home patch, it's probably them. Surprise package. Do you know what? We've heard from one of their flyers, one of the top stars. I think they're going well. GB. There we go. There we go. So you haven't learned out there, absolutely no bias. So you haven't learned your lesson from Cape Town where you went New Zealand and they bombed. And you've gone for your home nation for the surprise package. Thank you, Mitch, for the insight. <laughs> yeah, go on. <laughs> Let's look at the men. Yeah. Um men winners. Well, no, this is a tough one. Because I for me, Argentina are the best team at the moment. And they have been. No doubt, no doubt, baby. No diggity, no doubt. Um, a silver and a gold. <sighs> Will they back it up? Can they can they go again? They've got Iskro back. Oh, are they gonna double up? The thing is, the reason I'm so bad at this, Burns, is because I'm so driven by the heart and what I want to happen for the people of Sevens. Mate, so I, I want mate, Fiji I... to win a title oh, desperately. Okay. Yeah, do you I think do. Fiji? And they're only sitting in third, so they're due one. So based on that, I'm going to go for them. Okay, coming back, coming off the back of that tournament as well in Fiji, maybe there's a lot of good feeling there. They had the legends there, so Gordon Titchens. They yeah, had Dan Norton. They had Ding Nort Chung as well of China. Yeah. Um, you know, Carl Brown was playing for the legends team. Um, you know, I was invited to play, and I said no, and I what? think I regret that. What? Well, mate, it's not like. The, the Coral Co. 7s is a full-on hit-out. It's like it's not just like a mess-around vets thing. It's like 
full on, and I am not full on athlete right now. Why don't you? Why don't you just give not me sure my number? Was. I would have played. Well, uh, well, I saw Ricky Swinell was out there doing the commentary, and I thought, well, that's a nice gig. So maybe next year, hey, me and you, live pod from uh, Fiji. Anyway, I'm using this to buy time. I'm giving you Fiji as the winners. Surprise package. Def- <laughs> USA. I saw their squad actually on Instagram earlier. I've gone with it again. I've not put a lot of forethought into this. That I'm is not a, put forethought into it. Rogue pick. Rogue pick. Do you know why? It's because I saw their Instagram. I was like, actually, do you know what? They've got a decent team. I looked at the individuals. I was like, that's actually not. They've got a good group of players there. They just needed to click. Also, the brilliant new form of Mystic Mitch is surprise package. Could mean anything. <laughs> it could mean them instead of finishing tenth, they finish ninth. Is that a surprise? I don't know. <laughs> well i look forward to I'm you wriggling I, I look forward to your reverse justification of your selection next pod when we see how it all comes out in the wash <laughs> which it oh. um which it is in well just a couple of days we're releasing this on thursday <laughs> if Bernsey gets his shit together Crikey. any danger and um and yeah we can't wait to have the series back it's gonna be a humdinger in perth uh for what it's worth i'd say aussie men to win surprise package spain would be my call don't mug me off like that well let's see let's see this is- <laughs> let's see shall we um any other business before we wrap this up mitch we'll do crystal ball Bernsey next time there we go um now I'm buzzing for it. Uh, it does feel like a long break since the last ones. So feed me. Feed me. Feed me. We've got some ravenous Rugby Sevens fans tuning in and here up in the clouds. Thanks to all of you for joining us once again. Thanks to Emma. Thanks to Chucky. Thank you to you, Mitch. And guys, we will be in your ears after Perth and what a tournament it may just be. But for now, from all of us up in the clouds, up in seventh heaven, it is adios. Bye-bye. You light up